Welcome to The Iceman, a podcast presented by Tuned Up Custom Rods. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. We're glad to have you with us tonight. Thank you for being here. We are joined tonight uh, by the phone uh, by Will Roseberg from In-Depth Outdoors. Will, welcome. Thanks for being here. Good evening, gentlemen. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is going to be great. We've uh, been talking through our guest list for you know for the whole show, and I was like, we got to get Will on. We got to get Will on. So. Well, Will, I mean, you and I go back a few years, and um, I haven't had the chance to fish with you in the last couple of years. But we used to be able to fish once in a while together before kids and before COVID, and kind of before our lives got crazy. Will tried to kill me this year. What? How did he try he to, kill to kill you? me? We I went to his house to pick up some hamburger, which, by the way, Will Roseberg, your hamburger is delicious. Um, and he said, "Hey, do you want to have an adventure?" And I'm like, uh, "I don't know." He goes, "Well, I know of a bite on a lake, but it's only got two inches of ice on it." I was like, "Yeah, I don't think I want that adventure." <laughs> <laughs> did you ever go out on there, Will? I did. There you were, did. There were two and a half or three inches. As long as uh, as long as you couldn't hit your chisel through too easily on a one hit, it's it was still good. But honestly, that that is something, and I I know people say it all the time. But when you're first going out on thin ice, you need to know exactly how your chisel works, yep. such that it if you know that it it hits and it goes through, and it's dangerous, or if it hits and it only goes through a little bit you can keep going yeah and also i mean i i kind of learned some spud bar techniques from you guys because i used to love thin ice a lot more than i did um recently but i mean if you whack it it kind of sounds like hollow that could be just like a big air pocket too i mean hmm. there's there's some real weird things but knowing that spud bar is is pretty important you guys it's it's, it's yeah, it is kind of kind of a skill that you learn after you've gone on thin ice a few times. But the thing that, honestly, I, I don't feel that much at risk when you're walking because you can hear how the ice reacts when you really got to be more cautious is if you're on an ATV or a snowmobile and you're not able to hear the ice, then mm-hmm. I get a little more really concerned if it's thick enough. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Will, uh, if you could take yourself off speakerphone, it's probably sound a little bit better. We're just getting a little background noise there. Okay. Well, I'm not on speaker. I'm on my little headset, but I can oh, take okay. it off here. You know, it, it, sounds, it sounds not bad, but it, we're getting some background. Well, I'm hiding in my second garage <laughs> so that I don't wake my my. I don't want to wake the kids up, and I think that's kind of like the humming of the the halogen yeah. lights here in the second garage. That's not a problem. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> what do you, so with uh, you? You have kids, and I mean, are they going as stir crazy as all the other kids? I mean, your kids are almost the same age as mine, so they're probably going nuts too. Is is one of those things that. You, you kind of realize when you have kids and everybody tells you beforehand how it's going to work and you don't realize it till you have them. But about five o'clock at night, they turn from being just nice little children to just complete raving, crazy monsters that just run around the house and tear it up. 
you're yeah. like you know, every day it's like my great little kids everything's fine like they're at school the teacher says they're the greatest kids in the world they come home and they just go crazy <laughs> as a school teacher i hear that all the time where i tell the parents i'm like well you're johnny's doing great and then Really? That's not the Johnny I stayed home. Yeah, yeah Johnny comes home and he just runs around and the house is a disaster. And from what a teacher's perspective, I really appreciate when Johnny is crazy at home. Keep him calm in school. You go home, be, be as well as you want, Johnny. But do you think it's because <laughs> they can actually be themselves at home? They can finally, like, you know, loosen up and go crazy? Absolutely. Absolutely, that's the case. They don't have to, yeah, they don't have to try to please somebody as, as much. And there's not well, and, 25 other people looking at him. No, true. And and you're an intimidating guy. They just oh, they yeah. just think you teachers you teachers are an authority figure. The parents they don't have to listen to the parents. No, they don't listen to us. My kid never listens to me. It's like Ben, Ben, Ben. He's like, what? I'm like, you're not. You, I've said your name 30 times, and you're still not. You still haven't grabbed a pack of toilet paper from the basement. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, kids, I know, I know exactly what you're talking about, Will. I actually had a couple of the monsters at my house destroy 40 pounds of Roseburg beef. They left my, no. free- they left my freezer open. No. So I've, I was going to actually be getting in contact with you here pretty soon. Well, that I can help you with. So it, it's kind of funny. I should tell you a quick story about kids and, and not listening. So I have a friend that uh, we were all out ice fishing together and we stayed in my friend's house. It was just a wheelhouse and my friend stayed in a wheelhouse next to us. And it was literally the the worst day I've had in 10 years of fishing. We didn't get one rattle reel, not one bite in the whole, from the evening through the morning. And we were packing up to go home and we went over to my buddy's house and he's like, Hey, I just caught one. He's got the walleye. My kids are like, Dad, why does Spo didn't catch fish and we don't catch fish? <laughs> I'm like, but buddy, it's it's just what happens. So then, like two weeks later, I came home. And he goes, Daddy, Daddy, did you catch any fish? I go, Well, we caught a couple, but it wasn't really good. He goes, Well, you should have called Spo enough. He would know where the fish are biting. <laughs> like I'm on in death outdoors. What are you talking right about? On. <laughs> come on, come on, son. I I'm a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so funny. call call your friend up. So every time I see him, I'm like, Spoden, where are the fish biting? That's hilarious. That's I, hilarious. I do have a funny story about my kid and uh James. Actually, James came over to or James Holst, I should say, came over to my house to grab a fishing rod. And my my kid was like, Dad, Dad, I know that guy. I was like, Oh yeah, you know him from TV. We watch his episode every Sunday. And he goes, No. He's on YouTube. I'm like, <laughs> really? It's like, it's like on all the things. I'm like, we watch you every Sunday, but you, you didn't notice. That he just thought, oh, he's on YouTube, so he's a bigger star. That's more important now. Yeah, apparently I, t- TV I, is dead and YouTube I, is it. I definitely would agree. It's in the kids' mind frame, YouTube is way more, way cooler. Yeah. If we if we start putting the ice pen on YouTube, John, the street cred that we're going to get with our own children is going to be huge. Great. I'll be on YouTube. Then my kid will <laughs> love the show. He'll, and uh, Will, does your kid watch YouTube videos and he gets into that? You know, when he was younger and he couldn't sleep, I would pull out the YouTube videos for him. But uh, right now we're, we try to keep him away from it as much as we can. 
until they they're still at the age where we haven't let them totally get into YouTube. But there's a lot if of stuff I give on them the, If I give them the go ahead, they're all for it. Yeah. About the only time they watch it is if we're like, okay, I want to go out. We're gonna go. We got to go fishing, and we're gonna stay out for two hours. Okay, here you can watch my phone. Yeah. That's how I extend. I thought YouTube was how to extend fishing trips because it's literally that's, that's the it's the greatest tool ever for a parent. Right. That's the way that we get them when when they're ready to lose it. You're like, okay, go ahead. You can watch it. Yeah. It's it's an important it's important thing in the ice house. So have you been out fishing yet? I have been out now. Gosh, I was adding it up. I, I've been out for like seven trips, but they're about two hours each. So I haven't gotten a, a – I did get – I guess I got one full day. The rest of the time, it was just some quick trips. So Staying local? We got out here local, but I've been up to Mille Lacs now the last two weekends. Oh, nice. That's awesome. How's, how's the bite been for you on Mille Lacs? You know, it, it's kind of – not what it's been the last three years, but the last three years have been so good that it's kind of like my expectations are unrealistic. So when I go out and it's like, oh, we only caught six walleyes tonight. So you're like, well, six walleyes used to That's be really pretty good. good. Yeah. Right. But, but now I'm disappointed because last year it was 12. Yeah. I've been just doing some reading about that. And I, I actually saw in the in-depth outdoors forum that, People were saying that there was a crazy big tulipy and perch hatch, and that all the fish seem to be like super well fed right now, and maybe that's making the bite a little harder. Well, it's really good for the lake. The best thing you can have is fish that are really well fed, and they're not skinny, and they're not hungry. Yep. And and so it's good for Malax. It's just not as good for us as fishermen because if they're well fed they're just not going to be as aggressive yeah and that's, they're, they're not going to chase baits like they would normally they're they're already well, full. We, yeah and what we've really seen is it it truly is just short bite windows you know you get out there at two o'clock you spend an hour and a half or two hours you hardly see anything if they come through they're just not really interested then you'll get three thirty. this this switch flips you got about an hour where you catch five or six fish, 4.30, they disappear again. And that's kind of what a, it's really typical. It just wasn't typical the last few years on the lax. So it's, it's almost good. It means the lake's in a good place, I think. And you're a pretty aggressive fisherman too, aren't you, Will? You move around and you're on the hunt up quite a bit. You know, I try to, but the last couple times I've been out have been with my kids and then we were out with my buddy's kids and, when you got kids with John, I think, you know, you, you don't get to move as much. You kind of got to pick a spot and, and you're committed to it. Yeah. I will agree with you and, until last weekend with my son. I taught my son. Yeah. And I'm sure this is going to raise red flag all over the place, but he's, he's seven. So I taught him how to drive the four wheeler. So now he drives, <laughs> oh, the, boy. he drives the four wheeler. It's, it's a Honda Foreman. So it's got a, it's got a regular gearbox. So I only let him go into one. But he drives with me, and I can drill holes and fish while he's driving the four-wheeler around. So it it's worked out amazing. That's an awesome strategy. Yeah, because I will bring a sled, and 
when I'm, I take my otter sled and I've got one, a one man sled that if I'm going out super early, I can throw my gear into it. But 95% of what it gets used for is pulling my kids behind the four wheelers. <laughs> yep. I have a little, I have a little track around the house in the woods and we just kind of drive around when it snows a couple times and they would stay out there for an hour, just keep going, going circles. But whenever we go to the lake and go fishing, as long as I'm not going too far, I'll hook the sled behind the four-wheeler and you'll put all your gear in the otter box and then you just put the kids in the sled and then it's an exciting thing to get out to the spot instead of boring. Heck yeah. Well, then when you get out there, if, if they don't catch anything, you're like, okay, you want to get in the sled? Okay. Put the tip-ups out and then just go drive a couple circles and then they're excited again. You went even one step further, just eliminate me from the process and let him drive <laughs> drive himself in circles. Yeah, but you got to be real careful about that one because we were close enough to the cabin that my wife watched my son drive the four-wheeler. Oh, boy. And then I got a phone call, and I just ignored it. And then I got another phone call, and I was like, God, I'll just ignore this. And, you know, by about the 30th phone call, I'm like, uh, I answered, and I'm like, what? And she's like, uh, why is your your son driving the four-wheeler? I'm like, well, because he's – what else is he going to do out here? <laughs> that was not the right answer. So, yeah, driving the four wheeler. What are you talking about? I, oh, Ben, don't do that. Well, so it all started because he's he's getting good at you know. I mean, he goes out and starts it in the morning to let it warm up. And because uh, if anyone owns a Honda Foreman um, from the late 2010 to 2015 vintage, um, they you have to let them warm up, otherwise they don't shift because um, the gear oil and the motor oil are all one one big slush box so he starts it up in the morning just so i don't have to get out and get up there you know 15 minutes um earlier so he lets it warm up and then well now it's like okay you know how to drive and well it's just become yeah you just you know when i kind of walk away from it too far he goes runs back and gets it and drives it up to me it's almost like a like a, like mini, a ballet it's like a mini tesla <laughs> there you <laughs> go just hit, hit a button and he drives he up just to brings you. it up to you it's like the batmobile that's sweet yeah no you've got a you're he's like a chauffeur yeah and he doesn't realize that it's actually doing me a favor not him i mean he thinks it's the greatest thing in the world those are the best deals to make yeah. both of you feel like you're getting something it is the greatest thing in the world. If if you're seven and you can drive a four wheeler, I mean, I I never had that when I was seven. That's awesome. No, I never did either. I just I think it's cool. I mean, it's 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 more convenient for me. And then yeah. he just picks me up. Right, with the you ice and I are both. We're we're both living vicariously through our children. It's like, gosh, I wanted a four wheeler when I was seven. Yeah, <laughs> especially a legit one. Like, I want a four wheeler when I'm forty. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> <laughs> You just got to really milk him By when, the way, he, when he enjoys uh, mowing the lawn. Yeah. Yes. Uh, we're going to have to get a rider for that yes. one. Really get into that. What were you saying, Will? Well, I was going to I was gonna say, by the way, John, we should figure out how to get a sponsorship from Honda because I have a, a Honda Foreman from the 2000s, and I love it. And I've actually got a, a Rancher from the late, like, 1999. It's the, the best little four-wheelers in the world. Sounds like you guys are good on four wheelers. Maybe I should get one from Honda. Well, here's, you hear that Honda. Here's the deal. I mean, uh, I know the last time I went to Ontario with the IDO crew, I learned real quick those Hondas are basically the best things on the ice because they're light enough they go through pretty deep snow, but they don't sink in deep snow. 
So like we had a Polaris 850 up there and the f- within two seconds they had it buried up to the handlebars in snow because <laughs> they weigh so much. It, it's a hundred percent true. I've, I have gone through more with that little four wheeler than my friend with his, you know, his 800 K and AM, my friend with his sportsman. And if you get stuck, you can almost get off by your, you, you, you hop off the four wheeler you can, basically lift it out yourself almost yeah they because mine people are like you just kind of pick them up and throw them around people are like how do you do that and i said they don't weigh anything what is the motor on it it's a 500 cc it's like okay. the perfect size i mean it it hauls a pretty big load of gear out there every weekend well as you know probably you take six times well, the amount of gear one, out there well one you're a beast so you can pick it up and throw it around by yourself <laughs> yeah but I, two it's Two, it is a, a small four wheeler. Yeah, they are. I mean, uh, they are they are very capable wheelers, though. Do you put them in the back of your truck? Oh, you can't because you've got a topper. No, I I can in other trucks. Yeah, you can throw them in the back of the truck. I don't pick them up. I drive them up. Will do you have a topper or do you throw it in the back of your truck? I have a topper. Do you? Okay. Is it this true story? I got it thinking it would just be for the winter, and I love it because I can keep fishing stuff in it year round, but mm. I'll put my, my ice house. And actually I, what I thought you were going to say, I tried to kill you <laughs> when I had you, when I had you help me take my ice house down from the, the rack that I keep it up oh, in the rafters. No, you're, you're like, a little, you're like a little, 500 pounds. That, so, that system is great in the, in your garage. That thing is perfect. But so we, I take it out, and from the day that you and I took that down, I think I put it in my garage for a day, and then I put it in my truck. And it stays in the back of my truck from the middle of November. As soon as hunting season's done, the ice house goes in the back of the truck. The topper is on. I can lock it if I need to. I don't take it out until the ice is gone in March, April. There's years that I've kept it till May. So That's a pretty sad That's deal. the beauty of a topper. Yeah. You never have to take your ice house out. Yeah, and you've got you yours is the lodge, right? The big otter lodge. Yep, and and I think I told John this story way back when because he and I we're, we're kind of like brothers from another mother because he has the same truck that I do. He has the same four wheelers that I do. Now we, we never planned this. Out. Like everybody thinks of like no, oh, no, no. It just we like met one day and it's like oh, it was like destiny. Yeah, so I have the exact same truck, and when I was Chuck truck shopping i i used to be a gmc chevy guy but they didn't have a six and a half foot box that i could put an otter lodge in and shut the tailgate so it was like well i gotta look that ford has the better they've got a a full quad cab because when i had or i used to have just an extended cab but when you're having kids you're like well i need the biggest crew cab you can get i also need to fit an otter lodge i'm like well Looks like I'm getting a Ford. Yeah. And I love that truck. And and I but I specifically picked it out just because I needed to fit an otter lodge in it. <laughs> some some things that ice fishermen do don't make sense, but they do to us. Well, you bought a utility truck. Now you want to use it for the thing you want to use it for. That makes total sense. Yeah, no, my truck has an ice house in it for five months out of the year. It better fit. You did quite a bit of hunting this year, didn't you? I, I did a lot, which I am, that's one thing. And, and my wife is never probably going to hear this, 
but <laughs> I, I'm lucky that she, she lets me get away with as much hunting and fishing as I try to do. I sometimes feel, you feel like, man, I'm not getting out hunting and fishing enough, but then you add it up, you're like, well, I, I get out quite a bit, and I've got those two little monsters that are at home destroying the house after 5 p.m. still, and I guess I should be really appreciative, so... A guy, a guy can have worse hobbies than hunting and fishing. No, no, yeah, absolutely. I always have that dad guilt after like day three out in the ice house by myself. I'm like, that's what I'm talking about. I never, I, I've never had the perfect description, but dad guilt is it. Yes. Yeah, because it's like you know that, like, I mean, I, I'll speak from the heart. I'm pretty sure that my wife could handle my kids for way longer than I ever could. I get like two or three days, and then. We're all like shirts off running around <laughs> like kind of, kind of like cave people, but it just, that's just part of who we are. But my wife can handle it and she could just is good at it. And it's like, I don't, I don't have the capacity or the empathy or whatever word it is to take care of children for a long periods of time. I'm just, it doesn't work. Well, I've, I've learned being a teacher through the summers that I am not cut out to be a stay at home dad. And I, just got home from my third trip to Red, my third weekend at Red, and and I walked to the door, and, and my wife said, "Oh, just a heads up, I'm going to be heading down to Florida for work uh, at the end of January," and I immediately was like, "What? You you can't go? You can't go away for the weekend? What do you, what am I going to do?" And then I was like, "Oh, wait a minute, I, I literally did that three times in the last six weeks. I probably can't talk." <laughs> oh, did we lose Will? No, I'm here. Okay. I'm here. Yeah. So no, yeah, it, it, you brought up, I, I think I counted, I, I hunted for 25 days this fall, That's Fif awesome. 15 days with a bow and arrow, and then uh, another 10 days with a rifle. How late does the bow season last in Minnesota? Uh, the bow season in Minnesota goes through the end of December. I, okay. And, and in Wisconsin, it goes still through happening. the... No, it went through the third. It was the, it went through the last weekend right after Christmas. I'm not exactly certain that certain their formula. I think it goes. But it like, didn't end on the 31st. It, it ended on the third. Well, then I might have a buddy who's a criminal because I just got a picture from a buddy who said that him and his son just took a deer this weekend with a bow. Well, out there's in different. Wisconsin. There's different rules in, in different zones and. And special youth hunts. So I, I know there are still people hunting, but for me in the zone I was in, it was the third. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's crazy. Well, I think what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick commercial break. We're going to hear from our sponsors. And when we come back, Will, I'd really like to hear from you about your journey with In-Depth Outdoors and, and how that whole thing And we got to talk about our Leech Lake trip of epic proportions because, oh, oh it, was, it was hilarious. I can't was, wait to hear it. You know, yeah, and I, I was, you were saying that we haven't fished for a while. That just came up on like my Facebook memory when we were there. <laughs> I think it was five years ago, but it seems like yesterday. So it, absolutely, it was yesterday. That's all I remember. All, all those trips are people don't realize like it's not about the fishing; it's about the experience of being with buddies and 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 just doing new things. And it's it's awesome. But let's uh, let's take a break from our sponsors. All right, we'll be right back. Hey everybody, this is Dan from the Iceman coming to you to talk about our sponsor, Tuned Up Custom Rods. If you're in the market for a new custom ice rod or 
It's time to start thinking about those open water rods. Check us out at tunedupcustomrods.com and make sure to use the promo code ICEMAN, one word, to save 10% at checkout. Also, we still have our promotion going with Freedom Baits for 10% off some really killer baits. Use the code ACPF10 at freedombaits.com for the latest and greatest in ice fishing plastics. All right. Well, welcome back from that commercial break. Thank you guys for sticking with us through our sponsors. So, John, before we get back with Will, I had uh, an interesting thing happen, something that I hope happens more and more frequently. I got a message today on the In-Depth Outdoors forum from a person who's just seen me chat on there and and who's also been a listener to the Iceman. And he was asking a question about rod building. Yeah, which, it was it was guide placement, yep. um, especially and I thought, you know, that obviously you're the guy who who made all those things. So, John, how do you choose how to do rod guide so, spacings? So it's kind of an interesting one because we the the standard formula doesn't apply. You're not we're not really casting with ice rods. We're not doing anything how a normal rod would be built. So you don't have to put that guide super far. You know, I guess the choker guide or whatever one calls it. Um, Everyone has little different names and quirks about guides, but we try to put it so it works with a Shimano 500 C10 size reel that kind of works in general for everyone. Um, what a lot of people have issues with is when you're winding giant spoons and the spoons wiggling all over, they're like, my tip's moving all over. I'm like, well, that's the spoon coming up through the water column because you're on such a short platform that that guide spacing what we really try to achieve is a real smooth transition load versus like it, you see any dead spots or flat spots. And I think that's, that's more important than anything. Cause yet you're not casting with them. You're not doing what you normally do with a summer rod um, on these rods. So and, that, yeah. So when you came up with the guide spacing for the tuned up rods, it was a lot of trial and error. Yeah. It's, it's more in the tip. I mean, that, that's what I worry about the most is you don't want to guide on a major bend point like on a bullwhip you would never want it on that kind of fold spot on the blank because it would break constantly because that spot's designed to load and unload you just need it to be off of that spot gotcha so and if anyone's ever got any questions you can feel free to message us or email me or call me or whatever text or stop in the shop or stop in the shop i mean i'm willing to answer questions um I'm yeah, usually a pretty helpful person. <laughs> awesome. That com- that question came from Will from the In-Depth Outdoors forum. So thank you, Will, for sending out that message. And if you do have any questions for me or for John, you know, hit us up. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. I'm, I'm on In-Depth Outdoors forum quite frequently. Um, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to be able to chat with you guys or answer your questions. All right, let's get back with our guests, Will Roseberg. Thank you again for being here tonight, Will. Well, thank you guys for having me. And, and if you don't mind, so if I could paraphrase what I, I think I heard John just say, he said, it's just the tip. I think that, <laughs> yeah, that's correct. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I had, I, I busted. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. That, that, see, and I knew that that's why tuned up custom rods are by far, by far and away my favorite rods in the market. I'm not sure if this is making you look bad or John look bad, but I don't know. My, if anyone could see my face is bright red right yeah. now because of just what I said, and then realizing that that I said exactly what I said on a podcast for the world to hear. Hey, well, you answered you answered two questions with yep. your answer there. One exactly. implied, one answered. 
<laughs> so that question came from the In-Depth Outdoors forum. And Will, one of the things that uh, where I first came in contact with you was from the, the world of In-Depth Outdoors. So you are you are on, on uh, the In-Depth Outdoors pro staff. Is that correct? I, I'm not exactly sure how that relationship works. Yeah, no. So I've, uh, I have not been with In-Depth, In-Depth Outdoors since the very, very beginning. But I got in right in the ground floor before In-Depth Outdoors even blossomed to what it is right now. Back when, when I got to know James, it was James. And he had a, a cameraman who wasn't a full-time employee. They would he would contract contract a cameraman to come out and film, and then they would go back and and James would do all of his own editing. And about when I I got to know James, we we literally met at the Garrison Public Access on Black, and and I was already a member on the forum, and and so I was there. And I'm like, hey, James Holst. Uh, I'm a huge fan, you know, I'm, I'm on the forums all the time and we started talking and we just hit it off. And, you know, then it, it was a few months later, he said, Hey, I'm going to be up in Lax again, you know, let's, let's get out. And so we got out and fished together and, and the rest is kind of history, but I, it was really cool because when I met James, it was really James and now it's blossomed into what it is now where he has James and he's got Pat. Uh, I don't know if, if you guys ever had any of the in-depth outdoors guys on and give you the behind the scenes, but then behind the scenes, there's a couple people who do camera work. There's a couple people who do editing. It's a, a four or five person operation now where it used to be just James. And it, it's really cool watching it grow up to what it is now. And James, put online he's now gonna build his own building he's he's growing up to where he can build his own uh shop and build it just how he wants it it's it's a really cool thing i saw that 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 he announced that this fall i think that's gonna yeah, be and, a huge thing for companies like us that work with ido to be able to do still photos you know in a in an environment that's controlled a little better than on the ice because I mean, you've been through photo shoots, Will. If anything that can go wrong will go wrong in a photo shoot on the ice. You know, if it's supposed to be cloudy, it'll be sunny. If it's it's just or the fish you can't never control. Yeah, the, you the can't fish control never it. cooperate. I mean, they don't they don't like to. They're camera shy. No, and it, and the other cool thing is kind of kind of I'll I'll share the behind the scenes, John. When I got to know John was around almost the same time I got to know James, you guys had started tuned up custom rods in your basement. So the first time I was at the tuned up custom rod shop, it was John's basement. And, and now you guys have grown up to have your own shops. And back then it was you, Adam, I think Dan. I think you were, I don't remember if you had started that or not. No, I was, was, I was never in the basement. Yeah. It was Adam's dad who did a lot of the the wrapping and the rod work. It was cool. So I've seen two companies grow up in this relationship, and it's awesome. It, must, I mean, it must be from you, Will. Yeah, I think well, you're the only the only common denominator. Yeah, there you Will. go. <laughs> and now you're going to well, make I mean, the Iceman grow too. Yeah, this is great. This is going to be awesome. 
<laughs> yeah, by the way, the Iceman is is now going to be a syndicated show on, on serious media going forward, cumulus media going forward. Perfect. And, Perfect. I, and I just want you to know, John, now that I'm hanging out in my garage, I'm now just kind of just chilling on my Honda Foreman, just sitting here while we talk. So. They're a comfy seat. I mean, I've, I've spent... I spent a lot of time on my Honda Foreman. I love that thing. We could probably get some of those headphone headphone rigs and just do some shows just driving the trails. Oh, if you saw the way I drive that thing, it's it's not fun. Yeah. It's, just, it's, just, <laughs> it's like 30 miles an hour wide open, and you just crash through stuff. All right, maybe we won't do that one then. That's about how fast they go, too, just to warn everyone. About 30? Yeah, especially through snow. I don't well maybe that's the tire that's the tire speed that's not actually how fast you're going on land sure sure but uh well one of the one of the best memories I have of you is up at uh, Leech Lake when we went up there and it was a beautiful weekend I think it was the high I think was negative 30 the entire weekend um <laughs> for a it was like an IDO trip special or a show special or something like that I don't remember we had like 20? There were a couple of years. There were a couple of years where they did um, a get together with people. You you could. It was set up on the website. They had the hotel reserved, but all the people from the website could get together and we could meet, and it was awesome. But like you said, James couldn't control the weather, and after how brutally cold it was there. They're like this. This is too hard for us to to control and manage. Yeah, because we went out fishing, and I remember driving on Leech, which was apparently I, I didn't realize how big Leech Lake was when you're on a Honda Foreman, but it is the biggest body of water when it's forty below, and you don't want to go past ten miles an hour because the wind was just awful. And I remember I still have like nine toes left, or <laughs> maybe eight. Oh, that so. I'll tell everyone that that weekend I drove out and I had a Coleman Lantern, one of the red 200A models. I used to rebuild them and collect them, and I still do, but it blew up in my otter tub. The bottom of the lantern put <laughs> punctured a hole, and then all the white gas leaked out in my otter tub. And by God, the otter tub survived but the plastic started to soften, but my wallet was in the bottom of the tub <laughs> and all the white gas ate through my credit cards, which I didn't know credit. If you sell credit cards and gasoline, they separate <laughs> by the time the weekend was done. I had lost all my jigs because they were swimming in this white gas, which rinsed all the paint off of them. And I had a broken lantern with glass everywhere. It was, it was a rough, and that was the like hour one of going out there. That sucks. Oh, yeah. It, it was the coldest thing ever. I remember the, the other benefit of an older four-wheeler is it still has a carburetor. So when it's super cold, if it doesn't start, you can just take the the air filter off and spray a little starting fluid in, and away it went. So we were in the mornings to get going. I was out using starting fluid. We'd get out to the spot, and you'd sit there for an hour, and you'd be like, why well, Better start the four-wheeler to make sure it doesn't get too cold. So we're, we'd have to start the four-wheeler every hour so it doesn't freeze up. And it was just brutally cold. Yeah, and so we we fished well, all day. Well, you, you got to tell us how, I mean, because we crossed over open water. So I'm, I'm going with these guys, and I'm still, you know, I thought what I was 
like I was an experienced ice fisherman, right? You were hardcore. Yeah, I was hardcore. And then yeah. I go out with these guys. I'm like, oh, wait. Oh, this is <laughs> like, it's negative 40. And we're flying across Leech Lake. And I, I remember it being like polished ice the entire way. So every time you'd like stop, you'd, you'd stop Sli- and yeah. skid around. And it's like, oh, this is terrifying. I'm going to die. I'm going to yeah. die. And then one we, snow patch and you're rolling over for it. We a got to that, that ice crack that was like a foot wide. And we're, you wanted to go further, Will, and somehow I, I don't, I don't know how you. It was like MacGyver. Twenty minutes later, he's got an ice bridge built. He's like, "Let's drive over it." I'm like, "Oh boy, I'm gonna try out this striker ice suit today." He, he just chiseled the heaves down and kind of form a uh, a safe path. It, it's standard operating. You know, it most, sounds a lot like when he was trying to talk to me to, to go into two inches of ice. Normal people <laughs> drive around the ice heave that's a foot wide. And it's like, well, it's 10 feet deep. Why don't we just dra- jig here? It looks like a great spot. <laughs> but we, we went out and we caught fish. Um, it was awesome, but it was it was so cold. And I remember coming on the way back, um, I broke my otter hitch. The, the hitch pin snapped in two <laughs> because it was so it was so cold. Apparently, otters metallurgy at negative fifty, which it must have been that night. It finally finally gave up, and I ended up tying my otter house to my back rack of my foreman with like a piece of rope. And I'm like, well, I got another twenty miles to go. I'll just accept it because I lost my whole house. It popped off, and then it it just it started, you know drifting across leech lake so i've had a chance to to four-wheel across lake one time this this season actually and i had a debilitating thumb freeze up like how are you keeping your hands warm you've got to use the thumb to operate the i have hand warmers on my four-wheel i have hand warmers (laughs) and thumb warmers i'm not dumb (laughs) i was dumb i i had to stop i had to stop to warm my thumb up i was like this is the dumbest mine mine gets so hot that my hands are steaming I mean, I just leave them on high all, I, all season long. I learned to drive with my left hand. So you drive with your right hand until your thumb gets too cold, and then you kind of slow down enough, keep your right hand in your, your shirt pouch, and then just drive with your left hand for a little while until your thumb warms up. And if you alternate, you can mostly keep your thumb from, from completely freezing. I was not prepared for how cold my thumb got. It it got cold to the point where it, it hurt to the it hurt so bad I had to stop driving for a sec. Which, and I'm sitting there on the side of this ice road with people driving past me, and I'm like, "Yeah, I am the guy that can't handle my thumb hurting so bad." But it got cold, cold. John, that story about the white gas made me think about um, my first trip to my only trip to the Boundary Waters. So I was up there with our friend Steve. You know Steve? Yes, I know Steve. And uh, Steve's been to the Boundary Waters many times, and. We are going. Uh, we went to Galleons. Remember Galleons? I, I liked Galleons. Galleons back is a wonderful day. place. It was kind of like Burger Brothers. It was the one down in in Richfield, and uh, we were up on the third floor, and we were buying uh, maps, like the big maps, the ones like the Boundary Waters, big the map. legit paper maps. Yeah, that, they had to roll up and everything. Yeah. It felt like uh, Lewis and Clark expedition. And I bought I bought my first open water rod, like what I thought was a nice open water rod. Of course, it 1995, was a, it was a Galleon's two, bargain bin. <laughs> it was a definitely a Galleon's branded rod, uh, but it wasn't, it was, a, it was a decent rod anyway. So we we're up there and, uh, um, my job was to carry the bug spray and I had it in my Duluth pack. My dad has a legit 
old school Duluth soft pack, you know, the big ones. Yeah. So I had my rod broken down. I had my reel stuffed into the bottom of the sack and I had the uh, bug spray and I sat on it, sat on the pack because I was in the middle. So there was no seat for me. Sat on the pack, sprayed every drop of bug spray directly onto the reel. Totally destroyed all the line. <laughs> I was going to say that the, that ate through the reel. The then. line and the reel were just completely destroyed. And then we had no bug spray for the entire weekend. Uh, yeah, Steve was not happy with me about that one. <laughs> so, Will, what's you got to have some memorable moments with James and crew. I remember one show where you were hopped up on cold medicine and and <laughs> singing, which I still, to this day, I, I laugh every time I see that show because that's, that's your true colors coming out. Yeah, I think that was that was right at the beginning. So I made my I made my mark from the beginning that my job was to kind of be the 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 color commentary guy that James goes out with to to he plays the straight man when he's out with me and and it's kind of a fun fun deal. And and the thing people don't see on on these shows is we will have like you, you, it takes probably two days of fishing on average to get a good show. And, and it's a grind and, and he likes to put it all together. He, it's not like you just show up and you jump on. Somebody says, come out, sit in my fish house and just film for four hours. And it's all set up. He's putting it all together. But, uh, one story I'll kind of tell you is I thought because I am the character that, that does the, the the little singing for whatever when I was hopped up. There was one show where I decided I had just watched John Gillespie and, and I was just gonna yell, get the iFish Pro every time that it goes off. Right. And so I said get the iFish Pro. And so we were out and the iFish Pro would go off and I would scream at the top of my lungs, get the iFish Pro <laughs> and, and and take off running. And none of that made camera but or made the episode, but we had so much, so much fun because they're flipping on. I go get the iFish Pro, and we would all just go running over there. You guys were eating Johnsonville brats, and-, <laughs> and and when in the thing, and I don't know if anyone else does this, but so James now does his introduction in the studio. But before, when we used to film, we would show up at Mille Lacs Lake, and the first thing we would do in the morning is he would set up on shore, and he would say, hey, I'm on Mille Lacs Lake today. I'm fishing with Will Roseberg, and, and we're going to go out, and we're going to fish a mud flats. And he would kind of do the show intro. I would stand right behind the cameraman, and I would make silly faces to try and crack teams up <laughs> while he was doing the intro. Be like, rude. <laughs> And, and he's the ultimate professional. He would still do it in one take. But but that's the kind of stuff that you would never see on the show. But if they – I want him to do a bloopers like uh, – what's the – Bill Dance? You Everybody's yes. seen the Bill oh, Dance bloopers? The, yes. the Bill Dance with the trolling motor? I laughed right. so hard because – I mean, you, I mean that guy, he's – it's, it's unbelievably funny. Yeah. If anyone hasn't watched he, that, we have to post that because yes. he's a national is, treasure. He's, he that's, a, that, that's a national treasure, those bloopers. I want James to do a bloopers like that. It would be so funny to see James out of out of his serious mode. 
Did you it, you remember when IDO used to say, what a specimen, specimen. Yes. So I did that when we were up in Ontario doing a photo shoot two years ago. I picked up a lake trout, and it was like a, I don't know, like a 10-inch lake trout. And I was like, James, what a specimen. And he busted out laughing. It was the first time <laughs> I ever saw him crack a smile on that trip. Because that trip was everything that could go wrong went wrong. We ran out of gas. We got every the ranger got buried in the slush it was just like and it was one of those you could see james was i mean he's trying to you're trying to get your job done but i'm like james man i'm having a blast because it's just sometimes it's the experience that was when my auger grenaded on me one of them yeah one of well that was one of the yeah i have a real bad reputation with augers apparently yeah you're hard on them I'm not hard on. Actually, I almost dropped it. I dropped. A, I almost dropped a light flight down the hole this weekend, so I can't say anything. You're hard on augers. Yeah. It's fine. I break rods. You break augers. <laughs> and, and you in lanterns and yeah, and I guess credit cards. Yeah, maybe. And, maybe uh, it's just buddy heaters. Yeah, I blew up a buddy heater this one. God, I maybe. think you ripped the cover, the travel cover on your Eskimo this weekend. No, I didn't. Not yet. I thought that picture was it ripped. No, I just, I went underwater with it. Oh, I thought it was a big rip in it. No, no, no. Oh, it, okay. it just went, it, I went through some slush that was deeper than the, the tub. Didn't you just blow up your truck too? Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Okay, boy, it's, we're going to get on a different topic. Let's <laughs> start calling me Wreck-It Ralph. Yeah, you got, you've had some stuff. You've done some stuff. That's awesome. Well, that's pretty neat. Uh, well, have you had a chance to be out on the ice with the IDO crew at all this year yet? No, I, uh, I actually, it's, it's kind of funny. I was talking to James. He, he bought some beef from my dad as well this year. And when he stopped over to pick it up, we're, we're gung ho about going out. The difficulty now is that he has his crew. He has a young daughter. I have my two young kids. And and the whole filming around my children's daycare and school schedule just doesn't work very well for IDO. Sure. And so so I, I'm gonna have to uh, to bribe my my in laws or my mom to come over and help with the kids some week so I can make it out with them. That's that's the beauty of of having kids is it ruins things like going and filming a TV show at the drop of a hat on a Tuesday <laughs> uh, that the schedule that, that you guys carry on over there is, it sounds pretty epic. Oh, I, he, he probably has slowed down a little bit now, but there was a time four or five years ago when he wanted to film every, he wanted to get a fresh show every week for 26 weeks. And he put 65,000 miles on his truck in one six-month ice fishing season. It right. was just insane. Didn't that happen last year where he was out in Fort Peck and then one of having to ditch the episode and ended up in Green Bay or something oh, crazy? People don't realize how, I mean... That happens every year. Yeah, it, it's like he's on Bay Danak and it goes bust. So he drives through the night to Red Lake and it goes bust. So he shows up on Mille Lacs. I mean, those are the kind of behind the scenes. I remember... Three or four years ago, I filmed with him on Mille Lacs on a, like a Tuesday, and it was just before Christmas. And before Christmas, they always try to get two episodes in so the whole crew can have Christmas off. And so they filmed on Mille Lacs. They drove up in the morning. We got a show in the day. They drove back to the cities, got back at like 10 o'clock, 
dropped off their their memory stick or their whatever the camera memory card is and loaded back up went out to Badenoch you know in the upper peninsula it went bust then they ended up back at Red Lake and and I can't even remember if they got a show or if they went somewhere else it's it is always scrambling to try and find a bite because you can't make fish bite. No, Man, it's that up under Peninsula. That's that's a ten hour drive. It, that's nothing for him. I mean, if people don't realize like he to to do what he does is a true dedication to the sport and to almost an insanity level of dedication to trying to make a show. I mean, it's it's yeah, my. Dr- my dream when I was a kid was I want to have a fishing show. I, you know, I'm like, this is that, that's gotta be the greatest job in the world. And, and it really is, except there's so much work to put it together. After I met James, I'm like, I'm really glad that I get to be part of the fishing show, but I don't think I could do as much as he does to make it happen every week. It's just crazy. Well, that's one of the things that makes IDO such an industry standard is that the willingness to put that work in for him day in and, and day out and week in and week out and it's consistent and it, it delivers. Yeah. And it's, it's and, a lot of work, just a lot of work yeah, from when, everybody. When we go out and we'll put in two 10 hour days to film a show and that'll happen on a Wednesday. You know, you'll get done on a Tuesday, you know, Monday or Tuesday, preferably it might happen on a Wednesday. So we'll have like 14 hours of film or something for Pat to turn that into a show. Cause a lot of times it's Pat, Pat McSherry will do the editing if he's not doing the show or if he is doing the show, it might be another, you know, Ben Larson is another guy that's in the background. Every hour of film, it takes them two hours of editing. Mm. So, I mean, you, you so then you basically got a guy, if we don't get done filming until a Tuesday or a Wednesday, they have to work almost straight through the night for 24 hours to turn that into a show and still get it to Fox in time for it to air on a Sunday. It, Cause their deadline is like Friday sometime to get it to Fox. So Fox can do their stuff. I mean, it's just an amazing amount of work behind the scenes. Yeah. And that's the stuff that most people never understand. So it's been, it's been really good to be able to hear from you about how that ins and out work because I know there's a lot of people who, you know, uh, I am personally interested in how that thing works. I've never seen the behind the scenes, and I'm sure many of our listeners feel the same way. It's it's something that we don't understand. Well, we'll get James on here, and I think we have to do a, you know, I guess, like a behind-the-scenes um, podcast of how this stuff I mean, People don't realize vehicles break, equipment breaks. I mean, I've watched cameras fall down the hall. I watched James blow up a transmission on a strike master auger by hitting some kind of tree stub. <laughs> I mean, it's just, and you, you see his face. It's like, Oh, that's a bummer. Grab another one because I got, I still got to make the show or give me your auger. It's like, no, don't touch my auger. I already have enough problems. <laughs> that's awesome. But that's awesome. I went, yeah, I went on with James on Malax and we filmed a show and it was great. We went home and the next morning they called me one time and said, Hey, are you back up? Are you still up at Malax? And I'm like, no, because people probably realize, but they might not. Most of us have full-time jobs too. And so I was back at my job and, and he's like, well, can you call anybody up there? We lost a camera. I'm like, what happened? 
we got back to the shop and when we unloaded, we're missing a camera box, like a Pelican case with a camera in it is gone. And, and so then that morning, this was back when Ben Brennigan worked there, Ben Brennigan drove up there. They never found it. Oh my gosh. And and it was just like, if it was me, I'd have just been like, my head would explode. And you know, James is like, well, that's what insurance is for. Like, wow. (laughs) Yeah. It was like, dang, that that's crazy. And that's the stuff. Yeah. Like you said, there's very few shoots where something doesn't go wrong. Now, if, if it either you go to Canon and everything breaks or you try to film a TV show and everything breaks. Right. It's like trying to go on vacation with your kids, right, John? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing oh, ever goes like it's planned. No, you start like, hey, we'll leave Saturday morning. By Tuesday afternoon, you finally are, have left and your vacation's over on Thursday afternoon. You guys should try having three kids. It's way harder. Three, no, I, I went and got fixed after two kids three, yeah, three. Well, we can bleep that out I, right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> rewind awesome. yep yeah. we'll, re- we'll redo that one that's awesome talk about uh post editing right there yeah, yeah there we go we'll clean that up <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, we really appreciate you being in the studio or on the phone with us tonight. It's been awesome to get a chance to hear from you and your experiences in the fishing industry and all the things that you've done. And, and you know, if you, um, I know that you're pretty active on the In-Depth Outdoors forum, so, uh, you know, people can connect with you there. I got a chance to meet you for the first time at the St. Paul Ice Show a few years ago. And, you know, it's pretty awesome to, for fans like I was and I still am to be able to, you know, to communicate with you guys and, and you have everyone be so approachable and it's been it's been really fun to get to watch uh, from the outside and then kind of moving to the inside I suppose watch how the industry works and and be able to pick your brain and now buy beef and help you take down otters and maybe next year you can convince me to go out on that two inches of ice uh, but uh, yeah we really appreciate you being here with us tonight Will No and thank you guys for having me and and one of the things I think you you really see at an ice show and, you know, we're between us, we're, we're kind of that way. It doesn't matter what background you come from, what you do as a career, you know, what you are. We all love to fish. And, and that's a great equalizer is you could put two ice fishermen together. You could be the most dissimilar people in your regular life. But as soon as that you start talking fishing, you're best friends and it's just the coolest thing in the world. So I appreciate you guys having me on to, to talk some fishing. You bet. You bet. Thank you guys all for tuning in to uh, this episode of the Iceman. Um, we look forward to getting back with you guys with another episode next week. And we will talk to you. <laughs> oh, Will just oh, fell out of his Will fell off the Honda. The Honda tipped over. <laughs> That's me trying to, uh, to put my phone on uh, mute as I'm just off the four-wheeler there. So uh, thank you th- guys. Thanks again, guys. Have a great night.